And we're back with this week's edition of Brotherly Mobile, Episode 9, an ongoing discussion between two longtime mobile developers in the Philadelphia area. We talk about all things related to mobile software development. Today's date is February 10th, 2015. My name is Andy Obusek, the iOS guy, and I'm here with my co-host, Matt Ryan, the Android guy. Hey now, Matt. Hey, Andy. What's going on? Uh, not too much. How you doing? Uh, I'm a little confused. Um, we, we spoke earlier, and I told you about uh, my wanting of a sticker, kind of like the one you find at, um, you know, if you go donate blood, they give you one of these, like, be nice to me, I donated blood stickers. I want there to be a be nice to me. Uh, I'm an Android developer who used Xcode today, and I'm confused. <laughs> Why? What's confusing about that? Uh, I, I guess I'm just trying to, to poke fun at it. I, there's just a lot in the in the IDE that I um, struggle with as I, I'm not familiar with um, a lot of the just kind of icons and things like that that don't seem to have much uh, bearing on what different panels mean that, you know, you're just supposed to expect it to just know, I guess. And, like, I don't even know how to look it up. It's like I'm looking up what is the icon that looks like a pocket with a rectangle behind it? Like, <laughs> yeah, but um, but otherwise, I mean, you know, it's, it's been fun. X- um, I, Xcode definitely has a really steep learning curve. Yeah, but I think that once you start to get the hang of what the you know the important parts, it's like anything else. Like you know, you can get along with, you can move along and and use the tool uh, without knowing how to use the whole swath of the tool. Uh, like, you know, everything that there is, and uh, you know, it was fun to do some Objective C this week. Um, Felt pretty good about it. You know, I think part of what's helping uh, is just kind of more um, structure to my programming. Uh, I think where before I might like complain more, or, you know, like really feel frustrated with not understanding the uh, the Objective C language in, in in a legacy or you know in an existing code base. Um, I think that you know coming at it like with a test driven development and you know being able to look at. Uh, you know, existing tests that are similar to the things that I was trying to do and, and tr- put the, put things together that way. You know, it was it wasn't so bad. Uh, it's it's kind of nice. I I, th- I learned a little bit about storyboard today, uh, about doing storyboard segues, and I thought that you know, it's a a win if I can walk away from it having another um, bit of uh, you know iOS programming knowledge uh, under my belt. Yeah, storyboards, I, I think, are kind of... Some people like them, some people don't like them. It's a way to easily verify and visualize your flow in your application at a macro level. I don't know if you saw when you were doing your storyboard work, but you could zoom out all the way to 25% size of the view um, your of like what you're seeing in the storyboard. And so that's really that's kind of makes it easier if you're coming into a code base new to be able to look and be like, okay, I can see the flow of this application and I can kind of get a rough idea of how it's laid out to easily orient yourself. Yeah, yeah. But I also think that, you know, knowing a little bit how to navigate, you know, the the, you know, interface builder from from past experience helped a little bit, um, you know, the whole. There's just some things that are different with Interface Builder and, you know, and, and looking at storyboards that are different from other, you know, development environments that I've worked with with the whole, like, you know, going to some, you know, you have a view here and you go to some panel and you're dragging, you know, like, like you know, different combinations of, like, keyboard buttons pressed and, and clicking and dragging with the mouse to, like, wa- like li- you know, literally wire different parts of the application together. Um, it's a cool concept, but if you're not, you know, trained in it, it's it can definitely be uh it's not intuitive uh from from my opinion there seems to be you know a lot of kind of i don't know tribal knowledge with the uh, coco development environment that you know i guess there's a lot of training out there too it's just uh you know it, it's hard to to just jump in if you're not familiar with with some of those things you can't just jump in like you could with you know a lot of other just normal text editor kind of things yeah, well, you could certainly write your whole UI in code. I think any code base that you jump into that you're not familiar with, tool or not, is going to be complicated. 
I think if you look at the basic like hello world in a UI view example in an iOS app that doesn't use a storyboard, that's along the lines of what you were just talking about of using yeah. a text editor. Right. That that is I think that that something like that is a little bit more. I think that's what happens is like, you know, the more the more tools you have, the more and I think that this happens in a lot of things too. You know, you're right. I can think of I jumped into a, a, a project one time and they were using this annotation framework for Android such that you didn't have to do a lot of, um, you know, use a lot of the normal callbacks and, and do a lot of the, the typical coding in Android that you are used to for like setting up your, you know, your page and, you know, when the kind of things that would happen, like when things rotate and that sort of thing. Um, and that sort of like when you look at it for somebody who is not familiar with that framework, when you look at it, it's like, well, you have this new tool that makes it easier for you, right? Kind of like Interface Builder makes it a lot easier for you than kind of writing all the all of the view code by by hand and setting like where on the screen this this pixel needs to be in relation to this one and and you know that sort of thing. Um, I think that you know that that there's examples like that all over the place. But uh, yeah, I guess I'm not. I I don't want to come off as like some big storyboard advocate or defender. I I've. There's two things right now that are really annoying me with one project I'm working on where the project has a huge storyboard. There's one interface builder storyboard for the whole project, and it's a tab bar controller-driven app where the most of the UI features are driven from a, from a four-tab tab bar controller, and there might be about 20 to 30 different scenes in the storyboard. And the two things right now that are really problematic is that if you make a change to the storyboard, to recompile the storyboard takes a good 30 seconds on one of the latest Retina MacBook Pros. And that's compared to, like, you could... That's that's significantly longer than if all I do is change Objective-C files. Oh, yeah. I, know, I was noticing that today. Um, you know, something I... Something I, I was wondering about, because when is is there some kind of a hybrid or a? Let me ask this: Is there a way to? I don't remember it being that wild when it was just interface builder and you were looking at just one screen and not necessarily seeing them all in one big storyboard. Um, I don't remember it being like that crazy if you made a little change that it would take you know quite that long. Is is that your experience as well? Right, it's more modular in that world. With is there the, is there a way to use storyboards and be modular to say like I'm only working or you know or like piece together multiple storyboards like if there are different parts of an applicate of a single application that aren't necessarily related or like can you can like think of on two different sides of like a wall? Yeah, like where you can totally do that. Yep, that's great. I, I, we should maybe uh, I'd like to look into that and learn a little bit about that, but. Maybe that's a little bit more too advanced for me. I should just learn more, a little bit more about uh, callbacks and that sort of thing in iOS first. Well, the other thing that's really annoying me with storyboard use right now is just there's some bug going on in Xcode, or it, it's got to be a bug, and we're probably hitting some edge case where just opening the storyboard right now will generate local changes such that views become misplaced by half a pixel. So let me mm. reiterate. What's ha what happens is that I'll check out a I'll check out a clean branch from Git, and I will just open the storyboard in Interface Builder, and something happens where it reevaluates all the views and their positions, and in some of their cases, just kind of offsets them by half a pixel, and you can't even you can't even move frames in storyboard by half pixels. But I can see that if I edit and view the XML for the storyboard. That X code is literally put ten point the X coordinate of ten point five or a Y coordinate of twenty one point five, and as a result, there's a lot of auto layout constraint warnings and misplaced views, and literally, it's like I have to then open up an Objective C file, discard you know recheck out the branch, discard changes in that storyboard, and then open it up again and cross my fingers whether it doesn't happen. Sometimes restart X code without finding any good rhyme or reason to what's happening. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I've definitely had problems with, like that in the past with, with um, Android projects that I've worked on, so I can't say that, you know, I've never seen something like that. And it, it just kind of, you know, it stinks when that sort of thing 
happens and you know it it is great when the when one day you download you know a patch set to your ide and you see in the the release notes that something got fixed especially if it's something that you've like reported or something like that and you know it, it would be great to get to the bottom of it if it is you know do you know that we don't know for sure that it is necessarily a bug that like has been recognized or something like that by Apple. No, it, no, and I've even tried to reproduce it in new projects, and I can't reproduce it. Mm. I can reproduce it within our project, but it's not like I'm going to send that whole project to Apple as a sampled project. Yeah, and likewise, it's it's more than just a superficial thing because you can't leave your app in a state with misplaced views in the storyboard. Otherwise, it's going to dump out all these warnings in the console. And possibly even present a UI which looks wrong. Yeah, unacceptable. Well, let's. Uh, you know, let's, anything else uh, you have going on new these days, or anything you want to follow up on? Uh, I can't think of anything. Why? Do you have something in mind? Well, I was just interested uh, to hear how your your experience with uh, playing Ingress has been going. I I'm liking it. I'm I'm trying to keep a positive mindset. Trying to use this app on a phone that's th- five years old. It's yeah, it it does. <laughs> I've seen I've seen it on there. I've tried to interact with the app on on your that phone, and oh my gosh, I, I, kudos to you. <laughs> You're a tough cookie. I feel like I could be moving through the game twice as fast with a phone that's up to speed. Yeah, you'll yeah. <laughs> you get a new phone, you'll level up right away. Yeah, uh, at well, fir- that's cool. Yeah, um, at first when I started playing it with this phone, I, I was kind of worried. This was uh, I was kind of worried that I was going to get a negative outlook on the game because I would be so frustrated with the phone. And I think I've tried to keep an open mind with that regard and uh so far I've liked it. I think a couple a couple um, pieces of, of critique that I have in starting off in the game, I really liked the onboarding and training that prov- that was given in the game as you got started. I do think, though, it it left me knowing the mechanics of the game, but it didn't give me really suggestions on what my next step should be. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember that sort of thing, too, and I think that, you know, at the time it was kind of like a beta and there may have been, you know, more, I think like I was, I was messing around on Google plus too. And there were people that were talking about the game. That's how I learned about it. And I was like reading through that decode ingress website. We can put a link to that in in the the show notes. And yeah, I don't know. I, the other thing I think too, is that the community is, uh, the community of people playing, um, is generally pretty welcoming and, we try and help, you know, when we see a new player come in, it, it tells you in the in the games, like, uh, local chat log, it says that, uh, you know, so-and-so has uh, finished their training, so-and-so has, you know, captured their first portal, deployed their first link, captured, you know, created their first field, and, and those sort of things. And so, you know, when you see those sort of things in the log, you know, people typically try and reach out to them and and say, hey, how you doing? Because, it, you know, it's in their our best interest to get that person up to speed, you know, become friends with them and help them level up because, you know, the, the more folks on your team in your area who are, you know, playing and, and active and engaged in the game, you know, the better, the more fun it is and, you know, the more you're going to be able to take it to the other team. So uh, I think we happen to be pretty fortunate in, um, you know, southeast Pennsylvania. It's a, it is a very portal-dense area that you know there's just a lot so many people playing in such a big community around here that you know it's it's a pretty awesome uh, place to play and I, I mean i saw people that i play with reaching out to you in the chats and you know offering to to meet up and help you out and stuff like that and i, I think that's really what it's all about it, a lot of it i think that maybe google knows that that's that there's so much community and like you know outside of the game interaction aspect of it that that they don't necessarily need or want to um do more direction after just the uh the initial because you know it kind of is just an open world game you can do with it what you want we talked about people making artwork with those portals and that sort of thing or you can follow the the story and really try and you know resist or help these other dimensional beings from you know speaking into our minds and you know it's really up to you which which angle you want to take 
you know, I personally don't like the field art or, you know, it's not that I don't like it. I like seeing it. I just, I have a hard time doing that. I, I tend to lean more towards the, um, resisting against the other dimensional beings. Yeah, I know I joined the blue team, the resistance. I haven't yet had a being speak to my mind yet. <laughs> the uh, it means you, it means you're strong. You know, you're strong. Your, your resistance is strong. So, and when you're talking about the communication log, that kind of explains why I maybe missed something. Because if I open the communication log on my iPhone four, it freezes the case. <laughs> the system is down. I I literally can't chat do in game chat from my phone. Yeah, I learned this because when I picked up your phone, I accidentally hit the chat button, and it's like... It's right there next to your thumb. It's so easy to hit. One of the uh, critiques that you gave me, um, or you you mentioned to me before, I I totally agree with. I think that the game is a little bit heavy on the animation um, at times. I wish that there were some games you see, you know, this game has a pretty extensive, like, settings panel, and... I, I'm just surprised that it doesn't have something like this where you can go in and like tweak what level of animation or, or any at all animation happens when you're doing different actions in the game. It's like, you know, you, you make a field and all of a sudden the screen is spinning and like, you know, your phone is starting to heat up just from like all this animation going on. It's like a little bit, in, you know, a little bit much. But uh, Right. I remember these settings screens from like StarCraft 2 and you could totally, you know, it'd be like five different settings per 20 different five different options per 20 different graphic settings yeah i mean if you've got it like you know if you a lot of times like the grades it's almost like uh when you're playing like, some kind of a multiplayer game online too and your player gets like knocked out of the game and you can sit and watch what happened for 30 seconds or something like that or you can just click to keep get back into it like i don't even care sometimes about the animation like it's bogging my phone down or anything at this point, it's more like I just want the animation to be completed so I can move on and do the next thing. Like I'm waiting to click again. And I think that that's, you know, that's just something that's common, you know, not not in just in games, just in general. Like you know, when you're developing like a UI for something, that's often one of the hard things to do is to tweak like, okay, how many milliseconds should this, you know, down press animation be or, or whatever it might be. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things where this one, I mean, some of these animations in this game take like three, four seconds. And that's not like because it's bogged down. That's like at full speed. <laughs> on your phone, right. That's eight right. seconds on mine. I'd rather, I'd honestly rather play the game in a textual SMS-based version on a flip phone right now. Well, I mean, that's a little extreme. Um <laughs> So you're saying like you were saying like you would walk into range of a portal and you would then receive a text message that you're in range of this portal. And then reply you have to send, one to hack. Reply reply hack. No, just one. Make it even simpler. <laughs> reply one to hack. Reply two to to deploy bursters. Oh gosh. That'd be great. I, I would totally prefer that to what I have now. The other thing yeah, I was well. thinking about the game is uh, I was wondering. I know there was an expansion pack recently where the level cap was increased from eight to increased to sixteen from eight, and I, I kind of question whether it's like a little bit of an expansion pack hangover because right now, like, I'm finding myself wasting a lot of time going around hacking these like level nine portals as some well, like, low right. level person. And I need I, to and ask wait, you something. I spend a hundred weapon items to do this. As somebody who's not. What is Expansion Pack Hangover? Expansion Pack Hangover is when a game that involves a multiplayer leveling up system gets an expansion, and the veterans of the game then rush to the next level cap in the expansion that incoming players are at a major disadvantage and left behind in old content for which that any different amount of things can happen, that they can't find other people to team up with, the old content is incompatible with the new content, that they that the new players are doing stuff like ganking and WoW where <laughs> they're they're going around just dropping high level portals for that are like untouchable to me where I'm gonna sit there for like an hour just like getting nowhere. Yeah. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, and I, I'll say this. 
I'll counter with, you know, to get from from one to eight right now, which is so uh, let me start start with this eight to 16. You really don't have much advantage. A, A level eight and a level 16 can hang like <laughs> you know it's just a matter of like how much of one of, of like what how much like energy you have or whatever to use which you can easily refill if you are you know if you're level eight so a level eight can do the same for pretty much the same stuff as a level 16 there's no like special abilities or anything like that as you level up so i i think that what happens if you're in an area where there's a lot of players who have been playing for a while is you will see a lot of the higher level portals with like things on it where that where you can actually attack it, and I think that in those air in that in that case I think that you know you I saw a, a great picture of like a little like you know cartoon picture of that someone mentioned in like a an ingress related chat that I'm in, and it was a picture of a little girl building a, a sandcastle. And she's really putting all of her energy into it, and it's elaborate, it's big, and she's you know sitting on the beach making a sandcastle, and behind her is her ornery, rambunctious little brother jumping in the air, leaping at the sandcastle with a with a a, a shovel, you know a, a you know sand shovel behind his head, cocked back, ready to knock out like he's die he's gonna jump over his sister and smash the sandcastle, and it says at the bottom there are two types of people in the world. And somebody else, like the, the caption in the chat was, this is so true, even in Ingress. And that's the thing. You can build these, you know, these, these big, huge fields and, and, you know, make try and make your area, whatever your team's color is, all blue or all green and, like, cover it up and make, you know, see how you can, like, layer those fields over the top of each other and it, it gets darker and darker. And that's, like, the girl building the sandcastle. Or you can might, like, you know, going out and just – you know, finding huge green sandcastles <laughs> if you're resistance and just, you know, building up all of your, your, um, you know, in-game weapons and just taking out those portals and watching all that green fall down. And, and um, I think that what you were starting with was coming from an area that, you know, hearing about the game so much from, from me and, and my, and our other coworkers um, who are more of the, the sandcastle um, smashers, uh, style of playing rather um, that I think that 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 may have got you excited about that and we weren't talking so much <laughs> to you early on about the building aspect of the game and that you can level up just as fast building <laughs> as in fact maybe even faster than than with blowing things up and not maybe even faster if you're in an area with high level players from the other side it's definitely going to be faster for you to find ways to build than it is going to be to try and knock those things down unless you get together with players from your area who are of a high enough level and they can almost like knock down something almost all the way and then give you like the the you know the last couple of strikes on something to to take it out and just get all the points from it and you know I I had that happen with when I first started playing the game and that's why I think now it's faster to get to level up because there are so many people in our area that are willing to help you um that you know, people try and get you through the levels really fast. I've heard of people getting through one to level eight, you know, within like easily less than a week. I think it was like down to like, you know, three days or something like that. Yeah, that's not a married professional who's the father of a one and a half year old. You're right. I think this guy actually has a three year old, but I don't think he's very professional. I, I don't I don't know him personally. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You're right. That that is that is a pretty ridiculous thing. And I mean, you, you, to go on a binge like that, I think that there's a, an addiction aspect to this game for sure. Or like something's firing when you're hacking, when you quote unquote hack the portal, and you get these items, and you never know what it's going to be. You have a general idea. Sometimes you get something really special, very rare that comes out of it, and it's like, you know, there's definitely like some neurons firing or some some kind of chemicals being released. That's like. You know, just probably the same ones that fire when you um, pull the, the the arm on a on a slot machine or something like that, and you know, see what happens next. And for some people, you know, it's more than you know. You can just walk away from it and put a put a buck in and walk away. Some folks uh, have a harder time walking away from that thing, and I think the same thing happens with ingress for lots of different reasons. But it is fun. I'm not saying don't play, you know play ingress. Join your local uh, faction, your local resistance faction. 
But I think something we talked about in there is a good segue. Um, talked about that I, I'm in a chat with, uh, with folks outside of Ingress. Uh, and I think something we've been talking about a little bit that we wanted to talk about on the show is, you know, all the different various forms of communication that we use on a on a day-to-day basis that it just seems to be you know we've had to talk several times that i'm constantly pushing for i want less i want there to be less channels f- for people to get to me not necessarily people to get to me i want there to be less channels for me to be held accountable for checking regularly because it's just getting maddening that's been my stance for a while, and I think that I, like many things in life, I'm trying to um, take a step back a little bit and open up or, or be more open to different things. And I got a little bit of a story today about um, something that I think is pretty positive. But uh, I, I want to let you kick this thing off because I think that you had a lot to say about this uh, when we when we mentioned it before. Yeah, this has been an ongoing discussion topic between me me and you for years, and I first want to start with defining what we mean by types of communication. Right now, you can probably quantify it in at least, I would start with two groups for this context of this conversation, and that is one, types of communication that involve a computer and types that don't. And I'm not talking like some server somewhere that all telephone house lines are digital and there's a server that goes through. I mean, when me, the end user, am I interfacing with a computer? And we can include smartphones and tablets with that for now. Or am I interfacing with something else Not that's not a computer? And from there, you know, I think I don't think you're talking about like reducing the accountability of those non-computer based interactions but instead it's the computer-based interactions that grow that channels for communication grow and grow every year right i mean like name the last non-computer one name the last non-computer form of communication that you learned (laughs) well (laughs) I, i would say a phone call yeah now this is where it's a little bit weird I would say a phone call that I got on my, yes, on my smartphone, and I know I'm kind of just con- like contradicting what I just said, but I, w- I would kind of count that as one. Right, because there's etiquette to it, right? There's there's like a, you know, when you were younger, you learned from your parents when the house phone rang that, and this is going to be weird for, you know, kids in the future to listen to this um, podcast and be like, you know, house phone rang, what the heck is it, you know, but whatever, when your house phone rang, you either observed how your parents, you know, picked it up and spoke, or they talked, you talked to you, or, you know, something, there's a, there's some etiquette to it, that you answer the phone, you say hello, you might say who is this, right, there's like, things like that, that, that go with each form of communication, and I think that that's like, you know, to say like, that's the last non-computer-based one, and I, I know what you mean by non-computer. You as the human, the end user, are not necessarily interacting with a, like, something with a screen that you're inputting text into or, you know, something with a camera that you are, you know, communicating through that way. Right. Snail mail. As much as I hate it, I still get wedding RSVPs through snail mail. I still get some very specific township bills, like the sewer or yeah. garbage that I only can get through snail mail. So that's another channel. Shift off of that. Those are the examples. I want to focus on the other end. I want to focus on the computer-based communication because this is where it gets interesting. Just with every year that passes by, there's new and there's more and more ways that you that of communication channels that spring up. And yes, things get retired most for, you know, when I think of like the first thing that I was doing computer-based communication on, it was bulletin board services. And this was even before I had access to like the internet as we know it now. So this was even before email address that on the modem, on a modem on my Mac Centris 610 back in the early to mid nineties, I would dial up a bulletin board service number and it'd be just like some generic joke for forum that like people were posting any random topics and only two people could be connected at once 
and then that you know the internet comes out and that evolves and i think the next one that comes to mind it would obviously email and that was kind of cool you still had to find people's email where it really started to get revolutionized though was with broadband internet and aol instant messenger at that point it was like internet's always on and you got this chat client it's always sitting on your desk whereas more and more people got on broadband internet and that interface with AOL, or you could just have AOL Instant Messenger on its own, that all of a sudden you see your buddy list growing and growing and growing by the time you got to college and all your high school buddies, and then as your new college buddies, all were on broadband internet, and everybody was using AOL Instant Messenger, and this is circa 2000, 2001 to 2003 and four. That really, it's I think the entrepreneurs start started to see that these new ways of communication was was taking hold. And fast forward to today, and we got a like list of things we just rattled off in our, our notes document here. And you know, for example, I just last night I had multiple conversations with different people in different systems. I was talking to coworkers in HipChat. I was talking to other coworkers in Slack, which was not even a work-provided service. I had a Google Hangout conversation going with my uncle, who's got an Android phone, and that's what's easy for him to chat on. I had iMessage going in another window on my OS X desktop, in which I had a simultaneous conversation going on with a coworker who I had another conversation going on in the chat room in HipChat. And then, you know, I was there was emails, which is a little bit more of an asynchronous, not real time uh, system for replying. And just those alone, I think that's that right off the bat, you know, and it's not even a mental confusion for me. I'm not even I honestly was flipping between those without like any really point of pain or friction. Really, the only thing going in my mind at that point was like I'm wasting time having these conversations. I need to be doing this other task which is why i was sitting at my computer from 7 to 11 last night and meanwhile i am like alt tabbing between every one of those apps jumping between conversation so for me it wasn't i wasn't feeling like oh i need every one of these conversations in one app it's like i knew why each one of those was in different places and i was okay with that and that really wasn't even an issue in my mind i think that's counter to what you've experienced, though, where you you do have a mindset of con- consolidation, or at least you told me frustration around having those different apps, or maybe it's along lines like what you said: it's the accountability to respond and know what to respond to, where or what to check. That, yeah, that's exactly it. So it you know I, I put expectations. So there have been I, th- I think for me, and it, it's I think the whole thing is like you know we're, we're, we've moved to this area or this era because of all these community you know internet communications and text messaging and things like that where some folks have different like serve like slas or service level agreements or what they expect from you when they send you a message over one of these electronic forms of communication and sometimes you just want to disconnect like what you were saying if you're just trying to get some work done and you know people send you a message on whatever it's like it seems harder now to turn notifications off on things like it's things are just on by default when you sign up for some service you're going to be now sure on your iphone you have to opt in it says this app wants to send you notifications for the most part you know i hit yes just because i want to see what the sometimes the app might have something interesting to tell me or something like that that i i want to try it out but then you end up having to go in there and manage them all uh, what it came down for me though really was like I have email and that used to be the way that all my friends would send me like you know if they wanted to have a party they'd email me there or if they wanted to you know do whatever like that that would be the way if you're going to organize a trip or something like that that was how how it went down and I feel like there were so many different social network type things going on you know, that I couldn't focus on everything. I did not, or I didn't want to have, uh, you know, go into all these things every single day. And, you know, Facebook became something I logged into less and less. Um, I found that to be more distracting than anything else. And uh, eventually, like, I, somebody kind of, like, gave me a hard time about not going to their party. And 
I didn't, I'm like, well, you didn't invite me. But, oh, they did. They only, but they sent it through Facebook, and they were put off by the fact that I didn't uh, respond to their invite. It was a close friend, and I'm like, oh, well, I had no idea you invited me because I don't use Facebook. And I think, to me, that was like the like the last straw where, like, when when something like like a uh, you know that you opt into that's supposed to be kind of fun that you're no longer getting something out of it anymore becomes some place where you know you could be letting somebody down because you're not meeting their expectations or ch- of checking your your inbox there or you know ha- that particular inbox as frequently as somebody else does well i just i don't know i was getting less value out of it than i was then I was like, you know, I don't know. I just wasn't getting value out of it anymore. And uh, that's where I, I, I try and opt towards less inboxes, less places to check. And, you know, the other thing is like, you know, with all these chat type services and things like that, it's like even if you're not logged into HipChat on your computer, you know, you, you probably have it set up such that if someone were to send you a message, it'll still get to you. It'll it'll come to your phone and you'll be notified on your on your phone if you have the app installed. And that's fine. I mean, I just think that to, I I do get distracted by having too many conversations going on at once. And, you know, I, I, I guess maybe I have a different like feeling around like, uh, managing people's expectations around there. I, I have this complex that I want everybody to, <laughs> I want to try and please everybody all the time and or, or, and, or like maybe feel like I should go out of my way to try and like be super nice to everybody all the time. And, and I hate like, you know, feeling like I let somebody down. So that's, that's kind of been where I've been at with, with that sort of thing. Now, with that said, I've been like, I guess averse to, or like it haven't really been very open over the past little while, like since I left Facebook to even like look at new services, like, you know, yeah, I had a Twitter account. I've stayed up with that. Um, that's fairly easy because I don't know that there is that many expectation there for me to, to be checking it. I do have notifications turned on there in the off chance that I get somebody like at mentions me or something like that. Well, the little red dot shows up and I'll go in and check it out. But by no means am I logging into Twitter every day and reading, you know, through my whole timeline. That's just not something I choose to, to spend part of my time on. Now, email for work, email for outside of work. Like I guess sometimes maybe the tool will help because I, didn't mind email for work, but email outside of work there, when it's, when the, the tide shift or shifted from my inbox being full of, you know, mainly communication from, from friends or things that I, you know, opted into that I, that I wanted to see that sort of thing to like, not even just spam, but just like, you know, we talked about like all the emails from recruiters and, you know, different, I don't know, advertisements for things that you may have wanted to hear about every once in a while, but they're just sending you stuff all the time that to me, that just became the point where, um, I (laughs) given the chance of doing, checking my personal email and doing something else. I usually chose doing something else and, uh, it became more of a chore and less of a thing that I look forward to doing. But I gotta say, I I'm trying a new male client and, I don't know. Maybe I'm just liking the new shininess of this thing to me. I'm, I don't mind jumping in and, and just, I'm like keeping my inbox at zero and, and, you know, acting on every message as it comes through. Um, and I, I don't know. I think that, and th- that is uh, airmail, uh, for Mac airmail 2.0. Uh, we can put a link to that in the, uh, the app store link in the, in the show notes. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just juggling all those different things at once. I like to try and keep people's expectations like, you know, or meet people's expectations of communication. So I like, if I can't do it and I can't manage somebody's expectations on X system, then like, and I don't need to be there, then I'm just dropping off of it. Yeah. You mentioned a couple of things I want to respond to the Twitter example. I would generally classify myself as you in Twitter, like you, as just as you said. And there was an exception to that. Back at WWDC last year, I was just randomly sitting next to this guy, and I was like on the WWDCparties.com page trying to figure out where I was going that night. And actually, I think I was really trying to 
get figure out how I could get tickets to ATP Live, uh, hosted by John Gruber, or actually it was the talk show live with the cast from ATP. I was trying to figure out how to get tickets to that, and the guy looks over my shoulder and asked me if I was going. And this was I think maybe Monday or Tuesday night early in the week. And, you know, basically he and I just end up hanging out every night the rest of the week and kind of crossing paths. And, uh, you know, we're we're like our uh, what's the term? Not co-pilot wingman for each other, just as we were kicking it at night in San Fran at Dub Dub DC. And uh, he and I, I think, like at after we had parted ways upon meeting for the first time, I think I found him on Twitter. And since I didn't have any other contact in for him, I just sent him a, a direct message on Twitter because we had both followed each other. And then that just kind of impromptu established was the established communication channel for the rest of the week. And now even staying in contact since then. So that's, yeah, I've had, I've had the same experience. I mean, I, I don't, I, didn't use Twitter too much with like friends from high school or, or like college or anything like that. But it was, you know, it is so much easier usually to find somebody on Twitter <laughs> and it is an, an, you know, an easy way to kind of like just get at somebody that you meet at a conference. Cause it's, it's like usually pretty common that someone at the conference will have Twitter there and it's easy to just look somebody up, follow them. They don't have to follow you back if they don't want to, you know, the other, another thing I want to respond to, like I actually, two different things come to mind first is a quick hit that's regarding notification and apps i i do i think i do the same thing you do if i understood you right whenever i install a new app i always usually say accept notifications allow notifications yeah if it gets too noisy then i try and tweak it and and i gotta say ios has gotten pretty good with their notification management preferences i think that it just it just is a little bit like i don't know it feels like you're you got <laughs> there's so many different apps that if you have to you know i guess if you're like me you just have so many apps installed it, it can become like wait didn't i change that setting like <laughs> there's so many different settings with there no right i notifications are usually a great feature in apps and i like to get a sense of what kind of notifications going to send me unless it with few exceptions i will turn them off it's an, if it's an off the wall app that i really don't care to get any notification for i'm kind of downloading like a Oh, uh, you know, an app that really I don't need to hear notifications from. I will, I will say no there, and then maybe turn on the future. The other thing, though, I want to reply to you was regarding like new and shiny app that you're really like an airmail, airmail two for, and it's kind of reinvigorate you on email. I, I feel I totally get hooked on like the new and shiny as well, and the one I'm, I'm kind of digging right now is Slack. I have a hard time verbalizing what the difference between HipChat and Slack is. That being said, I feel like I like Slack better, and I don't know why. Maybe it is because it's just the new and shiny. Maybe there is some other reason that I haven't been able to verbalize yet. I like, I, I'm right now part of three Slack teams, and I like the idea that it, within one app I can kind of at the top most level in the hierarchy switch between these three teams and then have chat rooms for each team. Q tonight, I started to feel my first inclination of Slack burnout when I heard you tell me that there's a Coco room or a Coco channel in the Philly Dev Slack team and there's a fi- then I'm also on a separate team which is Philly Coco Heads. I I haven't even I haven't yet looked at the Philly Dev Coco channel to see how much overlap in members there are. I've been I really like the intera- the uh, community aspect around the Coco Heads Slack the Slack team. So we'll see what's in the uh, the Philly Dev one. I think the Philly Dev first of all the Philly Dev team is much bigger than the Philly Coco Heads team. So there's a lot more a uh, lot more non iOS chatter there. Yeah, I, I mean, when I was talking about trying to be more open, this is one of those things where uh, this is one of the first new service type of things that I'm trying out um, in a while. Uh, and I don't know. I mean, I I just got into the Philly Dev channel in Slack last night, and I just downloaded Slack on my phone and on my computer today. 
And I don't know. I really haven't only about spent about 10 minutes looking at it um, right before the show here. I, I, first impression, I mean, it's a pretty app. Um, I, 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 the interface is pretty intuitive. I, I kind of get what's going on. I don't know what is going to happen when I chat. I like, you know, I've, I've used a chat bot before in HipChat, so I saw that there was a Slack bot, and I can, you know, I, I started messaging that thing and kind of poking and prodding at it, and I, you know, joined, like, the Android dev room, and, and I was just kind of tweaking around, you know, looking around in there to see if there is anything for iOS, and um, I did see that, that Philly Cocoa one or, or, or Cocoa Head or something. I don't know what it was in there, but... Yeah, I don't know. I, it seems pretty cool. I like the idea that it's like a community. Um, I, I guess the other thing that's been more open f- for me is that I have been using the Google Hangouts app um, for a while, and I have gotten into a couple of chat rooms there um, through Ingress, and so I guess I've been more open to like the whole community chat room thing. It's been something I haven't done since, like I don't know, high school, like just going into chat rooms and stuff like that. I just, I don't know, I was never really big into, like, the IRC or anything like that. Um, but, we you know, we would do chat rooms on AOL Instant Messenger with, like, a bunch of kids from your class or something like that. And I don't know. I guess uh, this is, it's it's nice. I like, you know, with being with, talking with other like-minded people around a certain topic, I think is really powerful. And, it, and you know, you get to meet some cool people and uh, cool opportunities arise that way. So I'm, I'm willing to check it out. And I just think that the thing here is that I'm trying to not make a huge splash and go in there and, and, uh, you know, announce, Hey, I'm here now or anything like that. I'm just kind of trying to keep a low profile because I don't want this thing to become another, like, you know, thing where, where somebody sending messages directly to me and expecting me to come back and answer. Like, that's what I'm, that's where I got to try and like, you know, I, I like to be more like the passive lurker, just kind of like reading and then, you know, chiming in if I have something particularly, um, useful to add to the conversation. But I, I you know, I don't know. It's right. Every, every week when a brotherly mobile episode comes out, you spam every chat room with that link. Yeah. Just t- Right, every single chat room gets the link, uh, you know, because it is Philly Dev, so you got to support your local Philly devs. So uh, you know, maybe that, that's a great idea. I didn't, but that's not really keeping a low profile. So I'll, I'll have to think about this some more. Yeah, you know, I the chat room question's an interesting one. I really like in the context of of work that it the chat room leaves a log of the discussion. For example, you and I were working on troubleshooting something on, in off hours the other night, and we had the chat going in in the specific chat room at work. And then whenever anybody could then jump in and and uh, join the next in. day or the next week or the whatever they day, wanted to get the lowdown, right? They could just go right to that log, read it, catch up to exactly what happened. And I I think that context is really nice. I think it's different than when we were in high school because there's a persistence to the chat right now that didn't exist before. I think there's an ease of everywhere access to the chat, whether it's from your smartphone or any of your computers. And I also think it's an ease of room creation as well. I think it's really easy to create a room with anybody and everybody you need to be there that then fits all those other categories that all that other criteria of easy access everywhere and persistence that those things combined together really make it a, really provide a level of, of utility that didn't exist with the AOL chat rooms 10, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, that's true. I, I think that with all these things, um, I think that, you know, there is a balance to be struck. And I think that what you're getting at with that ease is like the one side, like it is so easy to get at somebody these days. And it's probably so easy to expect that person <laughs> to, to respond right away. And that's where the balance aspect comes in. And I, I don't know, maybe I'm just soured by, by some things like that. Um, I do. I, I really appreciate a lot of these tools. I love in these tools that you can send somebody just like, you know, drag a link or, or you know, drag a picture from a website in and it just like magically sends it, you know, it, you know, it's not magic, obvious, but just so much of this stuff just seems so easy and just so fast nowadays on, you know, you take a picture with your phone and in almost every chatting app that you have, there's a little paper clip down to the one side. You click that and you can just like easily paste the last picture you just took with your phone. 
it's like sharing things visually with people so easy um another thing that we we didn't really talk about too much but like i think this has been like game changing over the past couple of years that like before we had this you know the, this stuff like this existed but google hangouts man like I feel like that we've gotten so much use out of Google Hangouts, not just from the chat aspect of it, but just like, you know, that this thing let you do video conferencing with multiple people that, you know, when one person's chatting, that person gets the floor, like by default, like that they become the big uh, screen and, and everybody's saying, like, there's just so many cool features that when that thing came out, man, I was really impressed with it. And it just keeps getting better. It continues to get better. And don't forget about screen share and also remote screen control. share was there from day one. Amazing. Like, like that, that was, you know, you used to be able to pay for some kind of a, you know, I remember you had to, A, in, like when I was trying to help like my friends back home and stuff in college, like trying to get them to install things on their computers so that I could remote in and, and help them out later on versus like, you know, or even just to see their screen and like talk them through like, okay, go click on the bar and, you know, right click and do right. Like now it's like, you know, just, just jump in a hangout, go here, send somebody a link, <laughs> go right. check your Remember. email, click the link. And then you're, you know, say, go click the, click the little button. that sounds like, looks like a screen with an arrow on it. And I'm looking at your screen. There was it's a like, point of time where on Howard Stern, maybe like all right around 2009 ish go to my PC was advertised like every commercial break. And I think that was like right before Google Hangouts was popularized or even really used widely in enterprise or in business. And I haven't heard about go to my PC in uh, years at this point. Well, I mean, I think that they were competing head neck and neck until Google released the the thing where you can like draw a mustache on somebody else or like put a sombrero on them in the ch- in the, it <laughs> in was the, the video the pirate hat. Yeah, the pirate, the pirate hat, or like you know, put a parrot on their shoulder or something like that. Like that was that was the killer. That was that the the go to my PC killer. <laughs> go to meeting dot com. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, I think we're off the rails there. I, any more points to make on that? Um. No, I think that uh, you know I. I think that every every tool that we talked about has its own pros and cons, has its own function, and I think that the key is that the reason why we're not just using one thing is because of that. And there is an area, you know, there are lots of different. There's a good reason to have lots of different forms of communication, and I think that the key is to, you know, at least for me too, is to be okay with feeling like okay, I'm gonna unhook for now, be it for some, you know. A, portion of time at work when you want to just get some work done or you know if you are expected to be kind of like online and available like through online communications at those times or be it like you know you're on vacation right <laughs> like leave your phone at home like you don't have to I don't know that's the kind of maybe don't leave it at home but I, I just those are the times that I just want to be you know notifications off and you know I, another you know Google Hangouts thing I've seen recently is a feature that this is more in the chat room area that you can just like silence notifications for a period of time. I think like that is awesome. And I wish that there was more apps doing things like that. I know you can do it on the Mac. I think you can do it manually on, on iOS, but um, in the Google Hangouts app, it's like, you know, snooze all notifications from Hangouts for the next eight hours. And then auto turns notifications back on after that time. Awesome feature. But yeah, that, that's all I've got there. Um, did you have any last things you wanted to say there? No, that's You're it. Done? I'm done. Well, do you have a swift tip for us this week? Yes, yeah, a swift tip this week, and it's. I think I'm going to be focusing more on kind of functional programming focus for these tips for the next couple weeks because we're reading the book as in a book club, functional programming and Swift, and what do you know? It is. It is more heavily fo- focused on functional programming rather than Swift itself. And I like that because it's kind of lately I've really been able to focus my learning of Swift in the perspective of the functional way rather than just the mechanics of the language. So I promised last week I would have two tips, two Swift tips this week because we skipped last week. And uh, this 
again, with the context that these are going to be more functional programming tips, you might have the first one is going to be around fun currying functions. This is a term I had heard for I had heard for a while, and uh, I never really knew what it meant. I never really spent time to try to learn what it meant. And I there was a great black and white definition in functional programming Swift, and specifically it said currying a function is when you convert a function that takes multiple parameters into a series of functions that all take one parameter. And tip two, which is really like tip 1B, is that that term, currying a function, did not come from the spice used in cooking and instead was the last name of Haskell Curry. Oh, nice. I was definitely thinking like, you know, of the the local Thai restaurant, which I love their their green curry. Um, but yeah, Haskell Curry. I didn't. I I always. That's, that's interesting because his his name Haskell, his first name Haskell, is the name of a programming language, and I never would have thought that his last name was Curry. I thought his last name was Haskell. You learn something new every day. Teaser. So there's the swift tips for this week. Teaser. Well, I, I feel I feel a little bit like uh, there's something left to be desired there. Why would I want to convert a function with multiple parameters into a series of functions with one parameter? Yeah, I don't know yet. Uh, I'm still trying to figure that out. I, I don't really know yet. I think it has to do with something with functions being first-class citizens in Swift and other functional programming languages. And it has to do with being able to pass a function to a function. Yeah. Uh, I, I still don't really see the benefit yet. I'm gonna I'm gonna be bold and risk being wrong, and think of it. I I think it probably has something to do with if you have some of the parameters but not all of them at the time that you want to call a function. I think that you'd want to maybe bundle the parameters that you do have and then leave the parts open like as still like a, a waiting function for later. Uh, um, but yeah, that's interesting. We should call. We should come back to this later. We maybe we want to maybe want to curry this for next week and call back with an answer. Let it simmer in the slow cooker. No, I was trying to make a joke about currying functions, but you know, another topic I, I want to tease for next time, which is related back to some agile planning experience we had lately uh, with some work that was estimated incorrectly on two different fronts, a project we're working on uh, where we're trying to build out s parallel Android and iOS functionality. Uh, features were estimated on both platforms. A, a single feature was given. We made an different estimates for each platform based on our kind of guessed upon technical approach, and turns out we were both wrong with our own estimates. Mm -hmm. and we were wrong in different ways, and I don't want to go into how we were wrong, and I, we can leave that for next time. No, no, need, no, need to, no need to do to go into that right now. No need to go into that. That'll be your little teaser to come back, and what's, what's also more interesting is I think we had a good retrospective today uh, reflecting on, on what happened in the past sprint, and we got some kind of new ideas going into sprint planning tomorrow which we're going to try. So going next week, we can kind of report on what was last sprint and how sprint planning tomorrow turns out and how, you know, we kind of uh, pivoted, iterated work in our effort to continuously improve. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and encourage everybody who, you know, might be interested in this whole thing to go ahead and, and, and you know, tweet the hashtag who's more wrong <laughs> And then either Matt or Andy. I just want we you know and, and you know at mention us if you'd like uh, at Mr Ryan R E I N or at Obusic O B U S E K and uh, you know who's more wrong who was more wrong sorry who yep. was more wrong please spell that who <laughs> was more wrong dot com no 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 dot com but yeah just just put that out there we'd love to hear if. if uh, from the listeners, if you think that one of us was probably more wrong than the other, um, and you know, we just would love to hear that, and we'll, we'll get back to you on that next time. Um, and 
yeah, I think that I think that's all we have for you this week. So we've already given you. Uh, oh, you know what? I do have one more thing. I think next week we might be able to put a couple of different musical uh, pieces together to maybe let you vote if you wanted to have another um, Twitter hashtag voting system at the end of next week. I'm thinking about um, putting something together to that employs my recently practiced um, skill of uh, slap bass. So we'll see about that too. Little Seinfeld style, a little Seinfeld theme song. A little, yeah, a little. It's like a, it's like a mix between uh, Seinfeld uh, intro and Primus. Can't wait to hear it. <laughs> well, uh, you can find our show notes for this week's show at brotherlymobile.com/episodes/nine. You can uh, check us out on the Philly Dev Chat Slack channel uh, or on Twitter. Uh, we just gave you those tweet handles we'll be back next week can't wait to talk to you then later